Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 21. This can be found on page 875 of your Pew Bible. Four young Hebrews, exiled in Babylon, were selected to be assimilated into the Babylonian culture and serve in the palace of King Nebuchadnezzar. Despite being stripped of their identity, Daniel and his friends remained faithful to the God of Israel. A reading from Daniel, chapter 1, beginning with the 8th verse. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are worth you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age. So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for the four four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, He found then ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I woke up with one of those really gnarly head colds. Uh, So I'm going to pray for God's strength before I dive in. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit... And the miracle of Dayquil. (laughs) Will you remove any distraction so that we might behold you through your word? Amen. Strangers and Exiles. This is the title of our brief sermon series because it's the predicament that the people of God find themselves in at this point in the narrative of Scripture. God's people have been living in what they called the promised land, in safety and in security and in covenant with God. But they began breaking their terms of the covenant. 
And so God inflicted his discipline upon them and allowed them to be driven out of Jerusalem and Israel into the hands of their arch nemesis, the Babylonians. Craig preached on this last week, and he showed this interesting artist's depiction of the Israelites leaving Jerusalem under the command of the Babylonian soldiers. It's almost unimaginable. You can see all the people marching out of Jerusalem, and if they looked over their shoulders, they would see their beloved city, the temple, their small businesses and homes and schools burning to the ground. And yet God drove them out of that place as a discipline. They became strangers and exiles in a foreign land of Babylon. And they asked themselves, I believe, if I read the narrative, they were asking themselves, is God still faithful? When all is stripped away, and are we still faithful, even in the exile? Now, we actually know the answer very clearly to that first question, is God still faithful? So maybe we should phrase it like this, because God is faithful when all is stripped away, how can we remain faithful? It's a relevant question for us because according to the New Testament, this phrase strangers and exiles applies to us as well. That us living, all of us in this world are strangers and exiles, that this place is not ultimately our home. And just as the Israelites long to go back to Jerusalem, to the safety and in covenant relationship with God, so we long for a greater home. C.S. Lewis observed it this way. He said, have you noticed how no human being is really ultimately satisfied by anything this world can offer? Maybe that's because we're destined for another world. We're destined for glory. So all of us, according to the New Testament, are strangers and exiles. And maybe one of the questions on our minds as strangers and exiles is this. If God is faithful, even in the exile, how can we remain faithful to him? Jeremiah spoke a promise over the people of God at the end of the book of Jeremiah, he was speaking to the exiles who had been cast off into Babylon. And Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah 32, verse 37. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. Behold, I will gather them. Picture the the people leaving Jerusalem now, hearing this as a banner over their lives. Behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and in my wrath and in my indignation. I will bring them back to this place and I will make them dwell in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. That's covenant language. They shall be my people. I shall be their God. When a bride and groom speak the covenant language of marriage right here at the altar table, they make commitments to one another. I will be the groom. I, I will be the bride. And they commit to one another for everlasting covenants. This is the language that God is using here. God is saying, I'm sovereign. This terrible thing that's happening to you, the fact that you're a stranger and an exile in this world, Is for a purpose. I'm disciplining you, and the covenant is not broken. I will remain faithful to my end of the covenant. I will be your God. The reason they were being disciplined is because they were failing to live up to their end of the covenant. So God is purifying his people by giving them this challenge. And so the question maybe on our hearts in this time of exile in which we find ourselves is, if God is faithful to the covenant, how might we show our faithfulness to him? I want to give a little bit of background before we get into Daniel 
chapter 1, beginning with the 8th verse, which Danielle read for us. In the first seven verses, there's some background that I want to describe. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, as the people were leaving Jerusalem, he said to his commanders, he said, bring me the best and the brightest. In effect, he was saying, bring me the Rhodes Scholars. Bring me the senator's sons. Bring me the NCAA all-star athletes. I want the best and the brightest young people as they leave their homeland and as they come into captivity here. I want the best ones surrounding me in my palace, in my court, because I want to indoctrinate them. I want to assimilate them into Babylonian culture. I want to turn them into my people. And so we meet in this story for such strapping young men. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Four young men who were the cream of the crop of the Israelites. And we meet these guys and we find out what happens to them in the exile and how they answer the question, how do we remain faithful to God? And in chapter 7, we learn a few things that are very important for their experience. Chapter 7 of our Scripture today says this, the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. They got new names when they got to Babylon, which we're going to look at in just a moment. He gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now, who gave these four strapping young men their new names? The chief eunuch. I'm not going to describe for you what a eunuch is. You can imagine it. But the chief eunuch took these four men and the other cream of the crop guys into his care. Now, what we can infer from the story is that Daniel and his three friends were forced to become eunuchs as well. In fact, in 2 Kings, there's a prophecy spoken that says they will take the best of our young men and they will turn them into eunuchs. So here's a word you didn't expect to hear from the pulpit this morning, but these guys were castrated. I don't know if I pictured that when I was growing up hearing the story of Daniel and his friends. This is a really big deal to the Hebrew people. We've been learning over the last couple of Sundays the importance of the lineage, the genealogy. These guys were taken from their genealogy. They were taken from their homes, taken from their families, and they were cut off from being able to progenate any further. So their lineage, they were completely separated out. They were probably stripped of their clothing, all of the markings that showed their covenant keeping with God. The people of God in the Old Testament, they looked different. You could tell they were disciples of Yahweh, even by the way they dressed. There were those tassels at the end of their cloak that they could pray with. They had beards on their face. Their hair looked different. Their clothing showed that they were disciples of Yahweh. They were stripped of all that clothing. They were probably shaved. And they were given new names. Their identity was completely stripped from them. I want us to look at the names. Daniel. The name Daniel in Hebrew, his name given at birth, means God is judge. Hananiah means God is gracious. Mishael. Who is like God? I like that name. Azariah, God is our helper. But when they got into Nebuchadnezzar's courts under the command 
of the chief eunuch. They were given new names, new identities. Daniel, they called Belteshazzar, which means Baal protects the king. How do you like that name change? Hananiah, God is gracious. Guess what? Your name is now Shadrach. You're in the command of Aku. That was one of their gods. Can you imagine that? My, name, my parents gave me the name Nathan. In Hebrew, Nathan, Nathaniel, it means gift from God. I can't imagine if I was put in Nebuchadnezzar's court and they gave me a new name, Satan's whipping boy. <laughs> hey, Shadrach, you're in the command of Akuno. Come on, Shadrach, give me a glass of water, Shadrach. The insult, can't you hear it? Mishael, who is like God? Mishak, who is like Aku? Azariah, God is our helper, Abednego. You're now the helper of Nego or Nebo. That's one of their other gods. Same that Nebuchadnezzar's named after. The insult, the indignity, being stripped of their clothing, their identity, all the markings that would show that they are faithful disciples of the God of the Bible. How can they keep covenant if they're stripped of everything? And they were given the king's food. And that's where we pick up the story. Verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Ah, yes, food. Food was such an important part of covenant keeping in the Old Testament. We call it kosher laws, but it was a huge part of the Torah. What to eat and what not to eat. This was deeply governing the daily lives of the people of God. You would be able to tell a disciple of Yahweh by what he or she ate and didn't eat. And you see what Daniel is doing here. He's saying, everything has been stripped away from me, all my ability to keep covenant with Yahweh. But there's one thing I can still control, and that's what goes into my mouth. And he was given non-kosher foods, the foods of the king's table. And he went to the chief eunuch and he said, I'm not going to eat that. I will eat what God instructed me to eat. Because I believe he is faithful. He is still our God and it's my job to be his people. So there's one thing I can control and that's what I put in my mouth. And so Daniel asks if he could just eat what was safe within the laws of Torah. Verse 9, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. You see, God is displaying that he is still faithful when all is stripped away in the middle of the exile, when nothing makes sense anymore, when you're not even in our homeland. God is still faithful to his end of the covenant. He gives Daniel favor. And Daniel and his three friends, they're still faithful to God in the one way that they could find how to do it. Now, for the next few verses, I'm just going to let the story play out. Sometimes it's better just to read the narrative because it stands so great on its own. I won't interject. Let's just hear how this story plays out for Daniel and his three friends. Verse 10. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. 
Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Can you picture that? I'm just going to stop right here. Can you picture these guys coming in now? All their markings of being a disciple of Yahweh are gone. But they kept kosher. They kept eating the right food according to God's covenant. Picture them standing there now. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, therefore they stood before the king. I can imagine the earliest readers, hearers of this story when it's being read aloud, the Hebrew people being reminded of God's faithfulness. I would imagine they cheered at that verse when their Hebrew names were given, not their Babylonian names. Ah, we know who these guys really are. They stayed faithful. I'm just realizing that when I was a kid, there was this uh, Sunday school song, Daniel and his three friends, and it was the Babylonian names in the... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can't. Why did we sing that? Because these are terrible names. <laughs> I'm off my notes here, but that just came to my mind. How do we apply this story in our world? These guys figured out a way to hold fast to the hope that God is faithful. And the way that they did it was finding the ways, the mark, the one marking they still could do to show that they were in covenant with God. Now, this is the old covenant. This is the Old Testament covenant. And there's a lot of laws in the Old Testament covenant that were means of keeping in relationship with God that were replaced by the new covenant. How could you tell a Jewish person, a Hebrew person, a disciple of Yahweh in the Old Testament, by the way they dressed, by their hair, and by the food they ate and didn't eat. But that's not how we tell a disciple now of Jesus Christ. So the takeaway from this story is not go out and eat kosher, stay faithful to God. In an ever-changing world where we wonder, from day to day, are we living in Babylon now? The takeaway is not the law, it's the gospel. Jesus said how people will know that we are his disciples. And it's not how we dress or what we eat. Look what he said at John chapter 13. This is after he has lifted up the cup in what we call the Last Supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant. And the disciples are probably wondering, well, how do we keep the covenant? How will people know we're your disciples? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, 
you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. These are the markings of the covenant keepers with God in the new covenant of Jesus Christ that we love like he loved. See what he says here? Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How did Jesus love people? Well, when he said these words, he's sitting at the table. He's sitting at the Last Supper, and as his disciples came into that room, he was at the door on his knees in a water basin, washing their feet. That is to say, Jesus loves sacrificially. And during the meal, he held up bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. And he held up that cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And the next day he went to the cross where those words became true. His body was broken. His blood was spilled. He laid down his life. And this is how he loved the world. And he turns to us and he says, do you want to know how the world will know you're my disciples? If you love like that. If you love sacrificially and generously and radically, especially and even in the exile, if we believe that God is faithful and we want to hold fast to that promise that he is our God and we are his people, how do we show him that we are his people? Not by the foods we eat or don't eat like Daniel did, but by how profoundly and sacrificially, we love. This is what Christians have been attempting to do since the first century, is to love like Jesus, to hold fast to the hope that God is faithful, even in the time of our exile, when things in this world are upside down, when things in this world are broken, and topsy-turvy, and it seems like Nebuchadnezzar's in charge, and people's identities are being changed, and people are being cut off, seemingly, from their heritage. How do we respond? We respond like Daniel, staying true to the covenant. But in a different covenant, we stay true to the covenant with our sacrificial, radical, Christ-like, world-changing love. How now shall we live? If God is faithful, how do we show our faithfulness to him? Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, that is to say the gospel. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.